So welcome back once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's time now for our monthly preview show. What we do in this one is we go through the previews books that arrive in store every month. These are titles, of course, that they're giving us previews of. They're due a couple of months out down the line. We'll always go through the books just so that we can pick out the best titles, the ones not to miss, what's new from certain creators that we really enjoy, and maybe find a few hidden gems in there that maybe you don't notice just with a, a quick flick through the book. So I should say, though, that the books are always available in store if you guys want to you know, delve into them any deeper, of course. Uh, that store, of course, being Coffee and Heroes, owned by myself, Alan, uh, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes. And as always, I'm joined this evening by Keith to go through some previews. And how are you, sir? I am not bad, not bad at all. Um, recording a little later this evening as I am flying off to London tomorrow and uh, for a week for uh, a, a lot of work and a little a little play. Um, first time, first time flying in a fair wee while. Uh, wee bit, uh, wee bit anxious about it. I have to say, you know, you get used to to doing a thing and then you don't do a thing for two months or two two years and you're like. You know what do I what do I have to do to avoid being pulled into that little room by security? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we've we've flown over a couple of times, obviously to see Vicky's family and so forth. To be honest, man, very little's changed. I think with with UK travel, so I think it'd be grand. I mean, I I can't speak to once you get to London, admittedly, because we were we never went into the uh, into London. We were obviously going to Colchester and Essex and so forth. But yeah, you'll not notice an awful lot of this difference beyond wearing a mask throughout the plane. But I sleep on the plane most of the time anyway, so I wouldn't notice either way, to be honest with you. So uh, yeah, so looking forward to it. But yeah, a little little later this evening, so we'll uh, we'll we'll blast it out and uh, and come what may. Yeah, well that's it. We're we're doing the previews one. We're obviously catching up on our reviews pods. I've, we've got a couple more recorded. Those will be edited and drip fed out over the next week or two. And then of course we'll we'll be playing more catch up. But we always like to do the previews one nice and early because it gives you plenty of time to to see the titles that appeal to you and obviously get in touch with the store and let us know. Uh, the cutoff date for these is around the 20th of February, so a good couple of weeks here to hopefully listen to this, flick through the, the books yourselves, do your own research, and then of course get in touch with the store and let us know what you like on your pull list. Because as always, when you put them on your pull list, you're guaranteed cover A's, you're guaranteed first prints, and you're guaranteed, most importantly, cover price for that title as well. So always good to get those pre-orders in early. But yeah, what we do is we go through the DC book, which is available, as I say, both in-store but also online. You can find it at dcconnect.com. Uh, we'll go through the Marvel book. We'll go through the indie previews books. And again, you can find rundowns of those online pretty easily as well. So, But yeah, we, we like to sort of do a brief overview of the books. And with DC this month, to be honest, it's a relatively quiet month for new releases from DC, though there are still a few gems to be found through the book, I would say. You know, we have the return of a fan favorite character from the New 52 era of DC. Well, of the event that caused the New 52 at any rate. And there's also an accompanying omnibus to look forward to for those omnibus collectors out there, like myself. Uh, also, it would seem that James Tinian IV is not done with DC just yet, as they found a title to tempt him back with. And there's a certain iteration of Batman kicking off with a brand new number one that is sure to make my illustrious co-host happy as well. Mm-hmm. And more on that later. There are new trade paperbacks of a classic Vertigo title, making it the perfect opportunity to catch up before the Netflix adaptation hits our screens. And there's also a trade collection of one of DC's best ongoing titles scheduled for release. 
But also, just instead of just spotlighting new titles that are due a few months from now, we'll make sure to highlight a few titles that are not yet released. They're due out maybe in the next month or so, and they're still available for pre-order, so you can get them onto your pull list and you and you won't miss out. And also, I should say, there's a final issue of a legacy DC title that is uh, sure not to be missed as well. So that's the DC side of things. How does that Marvel book look? Yeah, I mean, Marvel seems positively jammed with Four Color Joy as spring springs its welcome return following the long dark winter in uh, in April. Um, First and foremost, we see the triumphant return of Peter Parker uh, under the long lost pen of uh, the one and only John Romita Jr., uh, who's returning to the pages of uh, Amazing Spider-Man, which is relaunching in April uh, from number one. But it's Peter Parker that we're on about, you know, the original hardlock hero. Um, so who's to say how long that triumph will, will, will play out uh, before tragedy strikes. Um, we have a couple of caps, uh, as in Captain America's in a, in a new series. And Hulk and Thor both celebrate their 60th birthdays in the way that only those two Avengers can by uh, absolutely slugging it out and beating the crap out of one another um, <laughs> over, over a period. Um, Electra gets her hundredth issue, uh, you know, in the in the legacy sense, and uh, some would say she's she's looking fabulous for a hundred. Um, <laughs> and April, we've got uh, in the X corner um, the continuation of Destiny of X, uh, which is the the new era of the X titles uh, with the launch of a, a range of of new of new titles, all with X in the title. Um, including uh, X-Men 92, uh, which is, a, I guess, a, it was a, a, an older series, uh, sort of followed on from the animated X-Men series, and uh, it's making a, a return for a, for a mini-series. Um, there was a little, been a little bit of buzz about a, a certain Marvel hero, uh, usually relegated to the C or D list, that has uh, recently sort of weaseled his way up uh, to the to the sort of A-list, and that'll certainly continue with the launch of his uh, new TV series on Disney+. Plus. That's Moon Knight. Uh, and so in April, uh, we've got a new Moon Knight uh, in the uh, sort of that, that format that has that Carnage and Wolverine and various others have, have been through. So it's Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. It's an anthology series. Jonathan Hickman's involved, so I'm excited. Um, and there's uh, some other uh, some other spider related bits and pieces, and uh, you know all of the all of the stuff that has that has kicked off of late. Um, you know those those new X books, uh, Avengers Forever. Uh, we're celebrating, I guess, uh, with the the Spider Man relaunch. We're celebrating with the facsimile editions uh, that that Marvel does uh, does quite well. The reprinting of Amazing Spider Man number one, where. He first encounters the Fantastic Four uh, reprint of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One. Uh, first encounters the Sinister Six and the re- reprint of Spectacular Spider-Man Number One, uh, which uh, you know is uh, another collector's edition uh, from the I think it was 70s, mid 70s. Um, so plenty, plenty going on, plenty, plenty to look for, uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk about a good deal of it uh, today. Oh, and uh, and let's not forget, of course. Uh, uh, Mr. Liefeld, uh, a long-time favourite of yours, uh, is uh, <laughs> is back on Deadpool uh, for Deadpool Bad Blood, uh, which well, is Deadpool's 
smash hit first ever original graphic novel. Well, you say back on, you mean he's rehashing an old story and breaking it down into single issues because that's not the businessman <laughs> I feel is at all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Tiger. Easy. But yeah, even as a as a dyed-in-the-wool DC guy, I have to say Marvel's book this month is really, really strong. So uh, that's the DC and the Marvel side of things. In terms of indie, there's... Of course, plenty to look forward to an indie book as always. Uh, with indie horror fans, particularly catered for with new number ones and also some trade paperback collections. There's also the welcome return for one of our favourite image series as it begins its second half after a long exodus. No worries if we heard that before. Uh, and a mini series celebrating 30 years of image with many of the top creators in the industry pitching in on that one. Moving across to IDW and Irish Legend despite what Declan Shelby says about his best friend on Twitter, uh, <laughs> takes on the Rocketeer for some pulp beer goodness in a new miniseries. And Aftershock actually have a particularly strong month, even if they are advertising a Christmas-themed title in February. Ooh! Yeah. What some, are you trying to do to me? Someone's not too happy about that. But yeah, some of the best titles of 2021 are getting trade collections as well. We'll point those out. And then there's some European-inspired small print graphic novels to look forward to as well. So overall, plenty to tuck into in the indie book as well. But we're going to kick things off with the DC book. And going through the book, as I say, it's available online at dcconnect.com. Uh, going through the book, they actually highlight, first of all, the Shadow War, which is going to be the Joshua Williamson-inspired uh, and written crossover event. So Joshua Williamson, of course, is currently on Batman. He's on Deathstroke Inc. And he's on Robin. And kicking off towards the end of March and then spilling over into April, there's going to be Shadow War Alpha, and then it's going to go across the title. So... It's worth bringing this up because I know certainly with yourself, Keith, you're a Williamson fan, you're on Batman, you're on Robin, but you're not on Deathstroke, so mm -hmm. I think I think the plan will certainly be to get you the Deathstroke issues for this event, but definitely yes, no Deathstroke sir. issues outside of this event. Well, I mean, I read the first two, and you know, while I, I, I love Williamson's writing, Deathstroke's just not a character that, that holds a lot of interest for me. Mm -hmm. um, however, in a situation such as this, you know, where I'm already on two of the titles and it's only a couple of issues, two or three issues, I think. I think it's a, a 12 part overall, isn't it? It is indeed. It'll be an alpha and it'll be an omega, so it'll be over 10 issues. I would say Batman ten will issues. carry most of the load. So you'll probably get mm. four Batman and then three of Robin and three of Deathstroke. But you say Deathstroke is not a character that really appeals to you. I think the next one up is a character that definitely appeals to you. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I've been saying for some time that Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing are the ones to watch. Uh, they certainly certainly have been of late. They're they're crossing the the boundaries between the the big two and and doing some great uh, some great series. And it seems they have rewarded me for that faith uh, as they are kicking off Batman Beyond Neo Year number one in April with art and cover by Max Dunbar uh, and a few variant covers there. There's a lovely looking uh, one to twenty five by Simone DeMio of. Uh, uh, we only find them when they're dead uh, recently fame and another one by uh, Jim Chung. Um, it's a six issue mini series and uh, Neil Gotham is alive and has killed Bruce Wayne. It's rejected Terry McGuinness and Batman and offered him a chance to escape. Terry turned it down. He is the city's protector and he will uphold the legacy of Batman. Now Neil Gotham will do everything in its power to destroy Terry, including creating brand new villains to fight him. Terry's first year without Bruce Wayne begins. Does he have a fighting chance from the rising star creative team of Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, recently of Kang the Conqueror, and Max Dunbar uh, of Urban Legends and Robin? A new future for Batman Beyond has begun, and I am all in on that. 
Yeah, the preview pages in this look pretty special. And this was, of course, a, a series that sort of gave you a little tantalizing preview of what these guys are aiming for through the pages of Batman Urban Legends. I think, if memory mm-hmm. serves, it was issue seven. It was the first issue after the, the six-part Chip Zdarsky story had finished. Had a beautiful cover uh, showcasing Batman Beyond. So I can see this being a big one in store. You know, so many people love the, the character, Terry McGuinness, Batman Beyond. So... And we get asked about Batman Beyond quite a lot, and I know you were a big fan of the the Rebirth run, and then he seems to have yep. taken a little bit of a break for a while, so definitely good to see him back in the DC pages. So, yeah, that is uh, Batman Beyond Neo-Noir, number one. As Keith says, that's going to be a six-issue miniseries. So the next one I wanted to showcase is probably the, the big new title for DC this month in terms of incorporating lots of their characters into one series. So... Going back to what was the New 52 initiative, uh, DC did an event called Flashpoint. So this was written by Jeff Johns with uh, art by Andy Kubert. It was a five-part five miniseries that focused on Barry Allen going back in time to save his mother, but not understanding the repercussions of that event, the butterfly effect, if you will. And he came back to a DC universe, which was totally changed. You know, you had... Bruce Wayne was the one who was murdered in the alleyway, so Thomas Wayne was now Batman, and Martha Wayne was the Joker. She was driven insane by the loss of her son. You had uh, Wonder Woman dominating the Earth. You had Aquaman leaving the seas to take over Earth. There was all kinds of things. Superman landing was hidden in an underground base and denied sunlight, so he was really, really weak. There were all these changes to the, the DC Universe as we knew it, but eventually they were able to get it back to normal, but there were a few changes, and that's where the New 52 essentially kicked off. So, But one of the, the, the big breakout characters from that was definitely what's referred to as Flashpoint Batman. You know, this Thomas Wayne as Batman character. You know, he was much more uncompromising than Bruce. He had no problem killing. You know, he's never got over the death of his son as well, and, and again, he had to tracked down his wife in uh, the Flashpoint Batman story, which was called Knights of Vengeance. Thoroughly brilliant, by the way. So we're returning to the world of Flashpoint with a title also with the word Beyond in it. This is a popular theme this month. Uh, It is actually a really popular theme, which we'll get on to in another title in a few minutes. But Flashpoint Beyond, it's going to kick off with an issue zero. So it's also bringing Jeff Johns back to DC, uh, which surprises me, I have to admit, because I thought after Doomsday Clock that he had sort of cut ties with DC a little. He was doing Gagger with Image, had a few creator room things in the pipeline. But being the original creator of Flashpoint, this is this is definitely good news. But it's kicking off with Flashpoint Beyond Zero, which is written by Jeff Johns and art by Eduardo Risso, who did the Knights of Vengeance tie-in I was talking about. So this is the world of Flashpoint Returns. After sacrificing everything to help the Flash put the universe back together and save Bruce Wayne's life, Thomas Wayne wakes up in a world he thought was no more. Forced to don the cowl, once again Batman prowls the streets of Gotham, searching for answers to how this world still exists. But what he starts to uncover will send him hurtling around the globe. The hunt for the clockwork killer starts here. Legendary writer Jeff Johns comes back to the alternate world. He created partner with prolific artist Eduardo Risso as he returns to the Flashpoint Batman. So that's a zero issue to kick things off and also scheduled to come out this month is uh, Flashpoint Beyond number one as well, which will come out two weeks after that zero issue. Zero issues sort of in the DC universe are almost like alpha issues or, you know, lead in issues. So that's definitely what the zero will be. And then the event, which is a six issue mini, will kick off proper with number one. Uh, and it features a pretty stunning Mitch Dredd's cover there of Flashpoint Batman. Very, very nice. We've got a zero issue in the Marvel book as well, strangely, uh, this this month. Um, 
And there's a reissue of the original Flashpoint trade, isn't that right? Well, there's a reissue of the Flashpoint trade, which is 176 pages, so you'll be able to get that. What I'm more interested in as a uh, omnibus collector is uh, Flashpoint, the 10th anniversary omnibus. Now, this is going to be a big book. <laughs> big. I mean, Flashpoint itself, 176 pages. Flashpoint, the 10th anniversary omnibus, 1,512 pages. Wow. Jesus, what's in that? So this you've got the five-issue Flashpoint miniseries along with the prelude story from the Flash numbers 8 to 12 and all 56 tie-in issues. Jeez, this was an event similar to a, a Keenan Black uh, level size event in terms of tie-ins. But yeah, you basically had tie-in which, uh, tie-ins which would focus on every single character and how they were different in the DC universe. Ah, right. So it's it's less King of Black and more Edge of Apocalypse. Yeah, well, that's 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 a good uh, a good comparison. But, I mean, some of them were fantastic. Some of them were very disposable. But I remember the Superman one, for example, was uh, written by Scott Snyder uh, before he started the Batman New Fifty Two run. So it was maybe lesser known Snyder work. As I say, the Flashpoint Batman Knights of Vengeance is superb. There's some great Wonder Woman Aquaman stuff. So I'll be getting that anniversary omnibus. I would think, although that is a uh, that is a big tome. Oof, I'll have some of that. Please. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Flashpoint Beyond. Looking forward to that. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, so going through the book again, just as we talk about Flashpoint and changes to the DC Universe and, you know, events which focus on all the characters in the DC Universe, something that's been getting a little bit of traction, certainly online just as the previous book came out, was Justice League 75. And that's because it is subtitled Death of the Justice League. Now, this is the 30th... Dum, dum, well, this is the 30th anniversary this year of the death of Superman. So there's definitely some parallels here. Uh, um, with this one, Justice League 75, it's the final issue. So they're planning to cram an awful lot into a final issue, I have to say. It is a 48-pager, uh, and it's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Rafa Sandoval. So I've seen in interviews that they've talked about how Justice League is going to be taking a break for a few years. So this is obviously leading, setting that up. But for this one, it is an oversized special issue. Uh, superstar writer Joshua Williamson pens the beginning of the next big DCU event. It all starts here. A new dark army made up of the DCU's greatest villains has formed on the edges of the multiverse. The DCU's best and most powerful heroes are pulled together in an epic war to push the darkness back. But in the end, they are no match for it. That's right, you heard it here first. The Justice League are killed by the dark army with only one survivor to warn the remaining heroes of Earth about what is coming for them. Place your bets now, who's that one survivor going to be? Oh, uh, is it going to be Flying Mouse Guy? I have a sneaky feeling based on one of the covers that it's going to be Flash because there are five oh. coffins on one of the covers and you can see a coffin for Aquaman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern but not for the Flash or indeed Martian Manhunter. So, hmm. Does this tie in with Flashpoint Beyond Zero? It may just. It doesn't specifically state that but... You never know. Um, yeah, it just seems to be a sort of one-shot special to, to finish off. And it has a rather beautiful commemorative acetate main cover as well. Lovely. I mean, I was I was, I was was prepping to jump off Justice League, you know, this month because it really hasn't been fantastic. Um, but now they're finishing it with 75. I don't really... It's out of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And with Joshua Williamson writing, I mean, Bendis is writing currently, isn't he? 
Bendis no, is right. not Bendis. Bendis has finished up his run, and then it's uh, it's a new creative team just for a few issues leading up to this, and then Joshua right. Williamson. Because when we first saw this, we thought, oh, class, Joshua Williamson's jumping on the Justice League. This yeah, be, yeah. Oh, what? It's the final issue? Maybe so, not. I guess. I guess. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it linked to Williamson's? You know, Infinite. What do you call it? Infinite Frontier. Um, Infinite Frontier stuff and the the Justice League Incarnate. Yeah, it could be stuff. Uh, you know, the Dark Army is you know was was sort of teased, I guess, in, in the, the the prequel series to the Justice League Incarnate, whatever it was called. I can't remember it. That it's all going to be a bit confusing with the the naming conventions, but <laughs> um, and he was he was on that, so must be something to do with Darkseid and, and and all of that sort of stuff. Well, we will certainly find out in Justice League 75, the death of the Justice League. So uh, in terms of brand new number ones, there was only a, really one other one that really stood out for me this month. And that is because just when he thought he was out, they pulled him back in. James Tinney in the fourth is back at DC. Still there, of course, doing nice house in the lake, but it certainly stepped away from a, a bunch of his work. But the thing that was able to bring him back, he's talked about it in interviews. It's the Sandman. So... He is going to be doing a brand new series. It doesn't state that it's a mini-series, so for me this must be an ongoing. Uh, mm. And it's 32 pages to kick things off with, and it's the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number one. So, sometimes nightmares walk the earth. Every night when you sleep, the Lord of Dreams chooses the path you'll follow into a Sylvan Elysium or down the hallways of your darkest fears. And sometimes, if it is the dream's will, those nightmares escape those halls and go out into the world. But it is not a choice he makes lightly. Today the Corinthian walks the earth again, the most feared of all of Dream's nightmares. His ravenous mouths have made him a legend among serial killers. Letting the Corinthian out among mortals is the most dangerous thing Dream could possibly do. But he has no choice, because there is another nightmare walking the earth, one that must be hunted. And this monster is one that Dream, lord of all nightmares, did not make. Horror comic superstar James Tinian IV has waited his whole career to pay tribute to the mythos of the Sandman, the work that made him the writer he is today. And that time has come. So yeah, the art on this one is by Lissandro Estheron and Yannick oh, Piquet. Strange Skies over East Berlin. Indeed. Was the, he was the artist on that. Uh-huh. And also on uh, Donny Cates' Redneck for Image yes. Comics. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And then, of course, you've then got Nightmares. Uh, they've put in quotation marks, Nightmare Sequences by Comics Art All-Stars. So that must be a rotating uh, art, a rotating spot for artists. And it's going to kick things off with Yannick Piquet. So... Yeah, this looks pretty great, and anything horror-based from the mind of Tinian, which he is such a nice, bubbly guy in real life, you wonder where all his darkness comes from. But <laughs> Stephen, Stephen King's much the same. Yeah, really cheery guy, and then just you know, that's, that's whenever, whenever you get all your all your 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 nightmares out onto the page, I guess you know you're just left, with, you know. This is a very it's therapy. Fair, this is a fair yeah. point. So, so yeah, brand new Sandman coming, uh, which the timing of it seems pretty great. I have to say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I might uh, pick up that first issue because uh, that same month uh, on sale, I think it's the uh, I think it's the first week, um, the first week, the second week, the third week, and the fourth week, uh, or something along those lines. They're reissuing uh, the whole Sam original Neil Gaiman Sandman series in soft covers. Uh, 576 page soft covers for uh, you know around that sort of 30 30 pound ish uh, price point at 25 30 pounds sort of so I've never I've never invested in Sandman before uh, I've never read it 
uh, it's it's one of those those big gaps in my reading and I, to the point you know I, I never would have been interested in spending the money to you know to, to buy the hard covers but soft covers at a, at a decent price whenever I can get the whole lot for you know maybe a bit over 100 quid that's that's not bad that's not bad so uh, we have four books, four soft cover books, uh, say about 570-something pages each uh, and around that that price point. And the first one, Solicitation, as the story begins, an occultist attempting to capture death to bargain for eternal life traps her younger brother, Dream, instead. Uh, after a 70-year imprisonment and eventual escape, Dream, also known as Morpheus, goes on a quest for his lost objects of power. On his arduous journey, Morpheus encounters Lucifer, John Constantine, and an all-powerful madman. Uh, each of the four books uh, collects about 20 issues. First book collecting uh, 1 to 20. The second book, 21 to 37, plus Sandman Special and stories from uh, Vertigo Winter's Edge, number 1 to 3. The third book, um, uh, issues 38 to 56, plus a, a story from Vertigo Preview. And the, uh, the final book four collects issues 57 to 75 with stories from Vertigo Jam and Dust Covers. So um plenty going on there yeah big time i mean sandman's one of those things i haven't read all of i i collected all the absolutes over lockdown and i've read the first one so far thoroughly enjoyed it it's exceptionally lyrical thought-provoking uh but just really good fantasy in general so i really need to get back to uh reading through those books again i've started collecting some of the single issues as well and Vicky was kind enough to buy me for uh, my birthday, Sandman number 8, which is the first appearance of Death, which is quite the highly sought-after issue. So uh, the good thing is I've got all the pricey issues out of the way before the Netflix show yeah. came along. So <laughs> that was yes. a nice wee investment. Nice wee investment. So, But yeah, as, as Keith says, those are uh, really good volumes, 20 issues at a time. You're paying just over maybe pound fifty an issue there, thereabouts for some of the best comics probably ever written. So that is the Sandman soft book, soft cover book collection. And one other trade I wanted to spotlight from this month as well is we are getting the first volume of Superman's Son of Kal-El, volume one of course being called The Truth. So this has been a series we've absolutely adored. This is Jonathan Kent's ascension to the mantle of Superman in his father Clark Kent's absence. It's been a it's been a big hit. It's been making headlines around the world, in some people's eyes for the wrong reasons. Those people just uh, you're never going to sort them out, to be honest. But uh, it's it's brilliant storytelling. Is first and foremost, it's a story about Superman as an inspirational figure, which is what Superman should be. Uh, written by the ridiculously talented Tom Taylor, and art so far has been awesome from John Timms as well. So yeah, we're we're big fans of Superman, son of Kal El. So if you've been a little late to the party with it this is going to be the the first volume which is going to collect the first six issues all together so i think that's definitely worth uh grabbing and then just one last thing before we finish off the dc book just i thought i'd spotlight again a couple of titles that are only reaching number two in this book so they're still available for pre-order just in case you missed the last time we chatted about them so you've got batman killing time which is a uh, six issue miniseries from tom keen and david marquez it reaches number two in april so due out, number one due out in march you've got batman superman world's finest which of course is Mar mark wade's return to dc uh, with art by the incomparable dan mora and I did say the word Beyond would come up again one more time. And we also have Batman Beyond the White Knight number two this month. So number one still available for pre-order. That, of course, is part of the, the epic Murphyverse uh, done by Sean Murphy. And that's going to be an eight-issue miniseries. 
I mean, this solicitation should definitely interest you, Keith. It says Bruce Wayne versus Dick Grayson. So there's only one winner there, isn't there? <laughs> well, of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> you and I may not be thinking the same thing, but we'll move away from DC and on to the Marvel book. As we say, positively packed the Marvel book this month. Tons of number ones, tons of new series kicking off, uh, and some really cool-looking uh, trades and omnibuses as well. So, But there's only one place to start. It's Marvel. It's 60 years worth of the character. And Romita is back. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, joining Zeb Wells on the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man with Amazing Spider-Man number one. And, I mean, John Romita Jr., who I know you've met in person, uh, I never have, uh, is probably my one of my favorite artists of all time, and, and especially on Spider-Man. He did a fantastic run on on Thor as well, but, uh, but I absolutely love him on Spider-Man. So this is... This, of course, has variant covers out the wazoo. Uh, we've got Humberto <laughs> Ramos, uh, Mark Bagley, uh, Travis Chires, Jim Chung, Russell Dodderman, Scotty Young, uh, Patrick Gleason, Peach Mamoko, uh, Stanley Art, Jerm Lau, Inchuk Lee, uh, Mark Bagley, and John Romita Sr. Must be a John Romita Sr. cover that Mark Bagley is, uh, is, is tributing. But yeah, loads, loads going on. The story is subtitled, What Did Spider-Man Do? Peter's on the outs with the FF. He's on the outs with the Avengers. He's on the outs with Aunt May. No one wants to see Spider-Man except for Dr. Octopus. Ox on Spider-Man's tail, and the master planner has something terrible planned when he gets his tentacles on Spidey. All that, and what does Tombstone have planned? Just in time for Spider-Man's 60th anniversary, a new volume of Amazing Spider-Man begins, and 2020 year, 2022 is going to be the biggest year for Spider-Man ever. Don't believe us? We brought John Romita Jr. back just for this. It's 56 pages. It's a slightly higher price point. Um, yeah, $5.99. So that's what, five, what $5.50, $5.60? $5.50. Um, so yeah, lovely. That, I mean, I'll be going with the uh, I'll be going with the cover A on that because it's a Romita cover and uh, just looking looking phenomenal. Um, issue two of uh, Spider-Man again, also Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. is out, um, is out at the same time and we're celebrating... The relaunch, as I say, with a, with a number of facsimile editions. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 1, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 1, Spectacular Spider-Man number 1. Um, so, yeah, that's that's cool. Are you going to be sticking on Spidey for this? Oh, 100%. As you say, John Romita Jr. Art does, does it for me for Spider-Man and for Daredevil. We're always my two favourites that he uh, he was lead artist on. And as you say, I, we were fortunate enough to meet him a few years ago. He's a, he's a hero of Vicky's, but her exposure was more through Kick-Ass and Hickgar, oh, which, of course, he co-created with Mark Millar. And, yeah, a thoroughly lovely guy. Did a little uh, original Spidey sketch for us at the time. We auctioned off for charity. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll definitely be on that. I mean, it's it's interesting that you say about the Parker luck, and there you are by issue two. It already says the best couple in comics is done, and Peter looks sad in the rain as MJ walks off. So things are no. not getting any better for poor Peter, are they? Never. He is the original hard luck hero. Um, <laughs> but uh, sticking on the uh, sticking on the on the hero front, uh, we also have that issue zero. Uh, I was telling you about when we were going through the DC book, and that's Captain America zero. Uh, by uh, Tucci Onyebuchi uh, and again Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, Kelly and Lansing at it again art is by Matteo Delius um, and we've got some some covers here but uh, some variant covers it says when Arnim Zola launches a catastrophic attack in New York City he meets his match in Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers 
In the explosive battle that follows, two Captain Americas prove better than one, and Sam and Steve decide they might just keep a good thing going. Uh, Tochi Onibuchi, uh, who was a writer on Black Panther Legends, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, Kang the Conqueror, Fian and Matteo Delius of uh, Mighty Valkyries and Invisible Woman, kick off an incredible new Captain America saga. You won't want to miss what comes next. Uh, yeah, that uh, that looks pretty fabulous. I think there's going to be a Steve cover and a Sam cover, both by Alex Ross. <gasps> Might have to get both, Alan. <laughs> oh no, they they always will get you a variance, weren't they? I don't know. It'd be hard to beat. A... Hard to beat that wraparound variant. Though. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, uh, but yeah. So the that that is that that is looking good. Um, I'm looking forward to that now. I have to say. Um, and then uh, let me see. Following up with with that, we have some more birthday boys that uh, like the <laughs> big kids they are. are Seem to be sucking it out. Uh, we have Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War Alpha number one by Donny Cates and Martin Cucolo. Uh Covers by Gary Frank actually, uh, and looks very very nice. Um, again, raft of uh, raft of, uh, of variant covers as well. Hulk and Thor have both undergone massive changes recently, uh, and uh, part of that change is uh, Donny Cates uh, writing both of them. <laughs> but one thing remains constant: their heated rivalry. When, a mysterious, when the mysterious circumstances bring them into conflict, once more will the God of Thunder be able to triumph against a Bruce Banner who can now control his rage. Celebrating the 60th anniversary of both characters, this epic five-part crossover between Thor and Hulk starts uh, here in this oversized alpha issue brought to you by creators uh, Donny Cates and Martin Cucullo. Uh Key mysteries from both series will be revealed as well as shocking consequences for the future of both characters. Uh, this continues then in May's Thor number 25 and Hulk number 7. Uh, and given that it's a five-issue series, probably then Thor twenty-six and Hulk number eight. Would you would you say? Yeah, I would definitely imagine so. And it's great when you get a crossover event like this where you're already on both titles, so you don't need to worry about any uh, extra issues. Of course. Well, about, they still make you pick up the alpha title. Well, there's you know? the alpha one, I suppose. And look at that, Keith. There's two other covers, one spotlighting each, with Hulk's fist going towards Thor, or Mjolnir going towards Hulk. You're going to need two two covers for that as well. No, I think I'll be alright. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. You'll stick with that gorgeous Gary Frank cover instead, which. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this just looks like a lot of fun. If nothing else, I mean, Donny Kitts does big and epic very, very well, and uh, I mean, these look like nods to World War Hulk. Would that be? Um, or not World War Hulk? What am I thinking of? No, I am thinking of World War Hulk. It was the one that yeah. inspired Ragnarok. Uh, with yeah. of course Hulk mm-hmm. versus Thor in an arena as well. It's got a very computer video yes. game sort of look as well. So. That so looks sweet. So, yeah, so as Keith says, it'll be a case of that'll be the, the alpha issue, kick things off, set up uh, all the key points, and then it'll be continued on Hulk and Thor. So that is that. Uh, the next one I was going to spotlight, but before I do that, I'll give Rob Liefeld his moment in the sun because <laughs> neither Keith or I may be huge fans of the character, but there are plenty of guys in store who love Deadpool. So, as Keith said uh, earlier in the intro, there was a, a story called Deadpool Bad Blood, and this was the first ever original graphic novel featuring Deadpool, uh, which was written by Rob Liefeld, Chris Sims and Chad Boers, and Rob Liefeld on art. So what they're actually going to do is serialize it. So it's going to be released in single issue form with cliffhangers, individual issues, individual covers, and both issue one and issue two of that kick off in april so keep an eye out for that for all you deadpool fans of which there are none on this podcast in terms of hosting Mm -hmm. but what we are big fans of 
is Daredevil. And that's Daredevil, especially when it's written by Chip Zdarsky and especially when it's drawn by Marco Cicchetto. So there seemed to be a little bit of confusion after Daredevil 36. A lot of people thought that Devil's Reign was going to be Donny Kate's swan song on uh, Old Hornhead, but it would appear not, and we're very happy about it. So they're back with a brand new number one. Uh, it is going to follow in the events of Devil's Reign. But I think this is a case of just uh, putting a new number one there because they want to let people know they can jump on at this point. It's a brand new volume. There's maybe people who jumped on Devil's Reign because it's a Marvel event who maybe weren't on Daredevil before. So it just makes sense, I suppose, more to do a number one than number 37. But what I would also say is Marvel have solved this problem long ago just by including legacy numbers on the on the covers. So it doesn't. I don't think it bothers us as much as it used to, if that makes sense. No, not at all. I don't think it really... It, no. Didn't ever really bother me too much, I don't think. Um, well, the other thing was as well, we spoke about it before, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Mark Wade run on Daredevil. It was split into two volumes with two number ones as well because he relocated to San Francisco for the second volume. But mm-hmm. yeah, so great to see these guys uh, on this again. And once again, a, a cavalcade of, of variant covers, Jorge Fornes, Peach Momoko, uh, Logan Lubera, Joe Casada, John Romita Sr. and John Romita Jr., Rand Stegman. Oh, Stegman and Zdarsky working together. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> so an all-new year of Daredevil starts here after the shocking events of Devil's Reign. What is left of Daredevil? Who lived, who died, and who is left to pick up the pieces? Chip Zdarsky and his superstar collaborator Marco Cicchetto turn their gaze to a future full of peril and pain in this, the explosive beginning of an all-new era for Hell's Kitchen's Guardian Devil. And most of and most important Daredevil issue of the year, brackets, until next month. <laughs> it's almost like Chip wrote that solicitation himself. Uh, um, sticking, sticking, I guess, in the in the Daredevil, the Daredevil universe, uh, Elektra has been a fairly important part of uh, of Chip's story recently. And uh, and uh, speaking of of legacy, they're not they're not leaving her out. Uh, Elektra's hitting uh, the hundredth issue to bear her name in April. Uh, but what's interesting about it is the legend of uh, Anne Nocenti, uh, a legend of, of Daredevil writing, is is returning to write it mm-hmm. with uh, Paolo Sequera, Ty Timbleton, and others on art. Electra has been many things, a pawn, a pariah, and even a provocateur. That is a lovely thing to say. <laughs> Just it rolled off the tongue. <laughs> but through it all, she has been one thing above all others, the most dangerous human being in the Marvel Universe. Everything that has happened her long and storied life has been leading to this, the 100th issue bearing her name and the starting point for what is to come. So one shot, 40 pages, uh, sort of four, 470 price point, I think, isn't it? Four, whatever. Yeah. Four, yeah, something along those lines. So yeah, it uh, looks good. Lovely, lovely cover by uh, lovely cover by Dan Panosian, uh, uh, sort of in the style of, of John Romita Jr. Yeah, I mean, it's a good time for Elektra in comics. Just last night I read Daredevil Woman Without Fear, number one, and I read Elektra Black, White and Blood, number one as well. And she's an interesting character that maybe doesn't get showcased as much as she could be. And certainly in the uh, in that Daredevil Woman Without Fear, I thought that was a fantastic first issue. And again, that's obviously uh, Zdarsky again. But yeah, mm-hmm. really good uh, Elektra stuff. And again, that'll be uh, you know a nice one shot. So I'm, I'm on board for that. But uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us about the X corner then of the Marvel Universe? Well, plenty going on. Uh, Destiny of X, uh, following uh, you know the the departure of of um, Jonathan Hickman, uh, a lot of the 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 X books have been coming to an end. Uh, the likes of uh, the likes of Sword and uh, and a few others have uh, have sort of come to an end, but they're being they're being replaced in this new era. So uh, we had a bunch of titles kicking off uh, last month in March uh, and. 
We've got a bunch of titles kicking off this month. Uh, so the follow-up to Sword is X-Men Red by Al Ewing, uh, thankfully, and Stefano Caselli, covered by Russell Dodderman. And it seems to be, as I say, a follow-up to Sword, and it seems to be focused on Mars or Araco, uh, the Red Planet. Who can save the Red Planet? The mutants of Araco spent millennia scarred by war. But on what was once called Mars, they're learning to live in peace. Storm knows the Red Planet needs something greater than a queen. But Abigail Brand has other plans, along with an unstable Vulcan on her side and Cable keeping his own secrets. Welcome to X-Men Red. It's a new word and someone has to fight for it. Uh, that sounds awesome, um, especially with, with the way that Sword finished. Um, Abigail Brand is some piece of work. And, uh, <laughs> it's going to take someone like Storm to, to stand against her... Uh, Machiavellian machinations um, and Vulcan it's always good to, it's always interesting to see Vulcan's name mentioned the long lost Summers brother um, reintroduced by Ed Brubaker back in the day so this looks like it's going to be a bit of political intrigue mixed with superhero action um, in the in the style of John Carter of Mars so I'm really interested in that so the first couple of issues of that are, uh, are out um, in uh, April uh, we also have Legion of X, which is Cy Spurrier's book with uh, Jan uh, Basaldua uh, on on art and a, 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 a Digrian cover. Um, so the last time we saw Cy Spurrier, he was he was on uh, what was it called uh, the the X book? Uh, I cannot remember. Way of X, wasn't it? Way of X, that was the one, and it was it was sort of about Nightcrawler sort of pulling together a trying to pull together a moral centre or a religion and, and, and it being attacked, a moral centre to Krakoa uh, and that. Uh, and this this seems to be a, a follow-up to it, and I'm glad to see it. Krakoa has its laws, but does it have justice? To remain a mutant sanctuary, Krakoa must safeguard itself against those who would damage its peace or traumatise its peoples. The lost must be found, and the wicked must face redemption or retribution. It's up to the ever-soulful swashbuckler Nightcrawler to keep the spark alive and legion, to host his unique team of on the psychedelic mindscape called The Altar. With Pixie on point, Juggernaut as a one-man riot squad and a host of ex-favourites on the beat, the Legion of X will do anything to protect mutants' rights, uh, to pursue happiness and hope. Kicking off with a hunt for uh, a missing Iraqi god and a skinjacker possessing innocent mutants. Read this issue and come uh, meet uh, Weapon Lazen, uh, Aura Serata and the villain worth praying for. The Destiny of X bears its heart and soul right here with Legion of X number one by Cy Spurrier. Uh, so looking forward to that. And then finally, we have Knights of X, which is the follow-up to the to Excalibur, which was the more mystical uh, X book set in, in Otherworld. Teeny Hard and Bob Quinn in this. Teeny Hard was, of course, on Excalibur and seems to be picking up where she's left off. The quest begins here where mutants are hated and feared once again. The gates of Otherworld are closed, and Captain Britain is trapped on the wrong side. Usurpers Merlin and his right-hand man, King Arthur, are now in control of the lunatic citadel. Furies the size of sentinels raise villages to the ground in their hunt for the witch breed. Cut off from Krakoa, Betsy Braddock is Otherworld's only hero, and to save her people, Betsy must recruit a round table of her own. The Knights of X gather to restore the rightful order and rescue desperate mutants, but their quest is about to get so much bigger than that. This is the era of destiny and the fate of Otherworld lies at the centre of Mutant Kind's future. Don't miss this essential piece of the new Krakoa. So again, follow up to uh, follow up to uh, Excalibur. Uh, I can see there in the cover, there's um, 
Megan and uh, Shatterstar and uh, Richter and Betsy and uh, a few other heads. So Gambit. So that's looking looking pretty good. So I'm excited for what Destiny X has to bring. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that Knights of X, I did just think to myself, is that just Excalibur, but by another name? Yeah, it's it's the next it's the next stage of Excalibur. That they the story that that Tini Hart I think was was telling in Excalibur sort of has come to has come to an end, and uh, and and this is the this is the follow up. So so yeah, pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff there. Um, and let me see. There's also that uh, that X Men uh, ninety two, uh, the House of ninety two in Roman numerals, number one of five. Steve Fox and Salva Espin. The nineties are back again. Everyone's uh, favorite nineties incarnations of the X Men have returned, but this time everything is even all newer and all more different. <laughs> Mutant Kane is taking a They're huge really leap stretching that, aren't they? Yeah, really they stretching. are. <laughs> it's taking a huge leap forward by finding their own nation on the island of Krakoa, <clears throat> guided by Professor X, Magneto, and a mysterious long-lived woman who knows more than she should. That's right, the 90s X-Men are tackling their Krakoan age 30 years early, and it's not going to go the way you expect. That sounds interesting, I have to say. That yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah, they're enjoying dropping stuff into their 90s continuity at the moment, and why not? The The titles so far have been fun. I really, really dug Silver Surfer Rebirth. I uh, read that last night. I uh, read Ben Riley Spider-Man as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a good era. It's a very nostalgic era for, for Marvel fans in the 90s. So. Yeah, absolutely. Darkhawk as well. Um, that's going pretty good. But, uh, yeah, and I think finally from me, uh, certainly in the single issues of Marvel, we've got Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood, number one of four. Uh, Jonathan Hickwin, Mark Guggenheim, uh, Moroewa Ayodele uh, on art, on writing, Chris Bachelow, Jorge Fornes, uh, Dota Nakande on art. Um, a Blood Moon Rises and its contents are black, white and red. A bevy of Comicton's finest creators make their mark on the fist of Conchu and stories depicted in stark black and white and blood red. Jonathan Hickman and Chris Bachelow uh, introduce an all different Moon Knight of the future. Mark Guggenheim and Jorge Fornes tell a Moon Knight adventure in reverse. And Maroia Ayodel and Dotton Akande uh, team the white clad crusader up with the amazing Spider Man in a harrowing fight, a harrowing night of adventure. Uh, it's a, a, a parental advisory uh, sort of a thing, but uh, looks interesting. Yeah, those uh, Black, White, and Blood things have been great. So they have, and if it's going to be Moon Knight, bring it on, is what I say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Those covers especially look fantastic. I love the main cover. Uh, Bill Sinkovitz uh, is pretty stellar. So, yep, that is Moon Knight, Black, White and Blood, the latest anthology tale from Marvel. Uh, a couple from myself then in terms of the Marvel book. The first one up is Spider-Punk number one. It's going to be a five-issue miniseries written by Cody Ziglar and art by Justin Mason. So this is a, an alternate take on Spider-Man. I believe this was out of Edge of Spider-Verse, if I remember correctly, or Spider-Geddon that may have been. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so this is Anarchy in the Spider-Verse. Spider-Punk gets his own series. There's even a delicious little uh, jab at the Distinguished Competition here. So Hobie Brown is the uh, the Spider-Punk set to prater- protect Earth-138 with his axe in hand and his chaotic band of punk-rocking heroes backing him. Norman Osborn is dead, but will the chaos he's created be too much for Spider-Punk and the gang to handle? Feel the vibes as Cody Ziglar and Justin Mason bring you the jams when Band in DC begins here. So, uh, <laughs> Spider-Punk number one. Sounds like I'll have a good sense of humour to it, which is uh, can't be a bad thing. 
Uh, one of the next ones for me is, again, you know, I do love Maywe Omnibus, and this is definitely one that stood out this month, especially given how Iron Fist Season 2 ended uh, in the most ridiculously great way possible, and then they went, nope, we're not making any more. But that's okay, because uh, according to my illustrious co-host, this is the book to read if you enjoyed the direction that series was going in. So there's going to be a omnibus release for the Immortal Iron Fist and Immortal Weapons. So, I mean, this is a who's who of uh, creators. You've got written by Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron, Colin Bunn. You've got art by David Aja, Travel Foreman, uh, Kano, Timothy Green II, Giuseppe Camoncoli, and more so. With this one, it's going to be 1,064 pages, so nice meaty omnibus to get stuck into. So Iron Fist has explored like never before in these epic adventures, stepped in fable, magic, and hard-hitting martial arts action. After learning the hard way that the Iron Fist century-spanning legacy holds more secrets than he ever dreamed, Danny is called to Kunlun to fight in the tournament against the immortal weapons of the seven capital cities of heaven. But can he ferret out a conspiracy against Kunlun? Plus, the noir adventures of Orson Randall, the previous Iron Fist, and amazing Ooh. solo tales of the fan-favorite Immortal Weapons. So, this contains Immortal Iron Fist 1-27 and the annual, Immortal Iron Fist, Orson Randall and the Green Mist of Death, The Origin of Danny Rand, Orson Randall and the Death Queen of California, Immortal Weapons 1-5, there's a sketchbook, and then material from Civil War and I Am an Avenger. So, this is a run you very much stand behind, I believe. Oh, yes, this is... This is great stuff. In fact, I would, uh, I, I'm have all the issues, but I would consider buying that omnibus. That is, that is quite the thing. That's a, that's a thing of beauty. I have to say, yeah, I think you're, you're really, really going to enjoy this. Yeah, that's definitely my kind of thing. With David Aja on there as well, of course, artist on the amazing, uh, well, and Matt Fraction writing, of course, I should say as well, mm -hmm. uh, creators of the amazing Hawkeye series I love so much. So another trade paperback definitely worth keeping an eye out for, just in case you haven't been on board. The, the single issues from the start is Devil's Reign is going to come out. It's an early solicitation. It's actually going to be out at the start of May. But, of course, this is the great Chip Zdarsky Marco Cicchetto miniseries, which has been fantastic so far. And then one last little thing from me, which is the latest edition of the Mighty Marvel Masterworks. So these have been great little uh, books. They're smaller in size. They're small in price point. They come in around fourteen fifty, But they're essentially collecting full-color reprints of all the original Marvel stuff. So, you know, they collect 10 to 12 issues at a time. So far, we've had the first volume of Avengers, the first two volumes of Spidey. We've had... Uh, Thor has come out, we've had Hulk come out, uh, Daredevil is due out in March I believe and then in April it's the turn of Captain America so I mean just it's a who's who again of uh, creators, it's Stan Lee, it's Jack Kirby, it's John Romita Sr uh, and this is going right back to the, the Tales of Suspense stuff from 1959 mm -hmm. and this is going to collect issues 59 to 77 as well so yeah these, these little editions are fantastic and they fly off the shelves uh, when they come in I think everybody just is really nostalgic for that era but they're always wary of the prices usually involved in trying to locate paper copies of them but those are just such a great uh such a great price point that they tend to tend to do so well so yeah unless there's anything else from yourself that is the marvel book yeah there's i mean there's plenty going on in the in the trades uh and uh and, you know there's a few other hard covers and bits and pieces but uh but i think i'll uh I'll maybe just uh maybe just leave it there but again, the Marvel book is in store at all times. So you guys can have a bit more of a detailed look through it. So we'll then move on, as we always do then, to the indie side of things. So 
again with indie comics there's just there's an absolute mountain we can only pick out the stuff that we're looking forward to most there's tons more beyond what we talk about here but we're going to break down image some dark horse stuff a few things from boom aftershock and a few other publishers as well so the place they always start is image comics because image is always the first one in the book it's always image attracts the best creators from around the world and there's always interesting new titles kicking off so i'd mentioned in the intro about horror fans being well looked after this month and the first couple of image solicitations definitely are for that so the first one up is a new title called blood stained teeth this is a brand new number one i mean just look at that combination of titles a hundred bullets meets philadelphia come on <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i mean you may as well have just say buy me buy me alan um so this is written by uh, christian ward and art by patrick reynolds so christian ward the eisner award-winning co-creator of odyssey invisible kingdom and machine gun wizards returns the image with red hot artist patrick reynolds for an all-new ongoing series a fast-paced hundred bullet style crime saga with fangs Atticus Sloan, misanthrope, criminal, asshole, and vampire, lives in a world where blood isn't the only things vamps crave, and for the right price, he'll make you a vampire too. After all, immortality isn't cheap. The preview art for this has been floating around Twitter for the last week or so. I saw Christian Ward put some of it out himself. It just looks like a neon-drenched nightmare of a book in the best possible way. I think this looks absolutely fantastic. This jumped straight onto my pull list as soon as i saw the those previews but then when i saw the solicitation even more so uh you've got a couple of uh variant covers as well one by a friend of the pod declan shelby as well we'll be doing a variant uh, jimmy mckelvey christian ward of course as well so yeah if you get a chance either look it up online or uh, come in and have a look through the previews book just for those preview pages they are gorgeous uh, but yeah, I mentioned horror, and the other image horror title definitely this month is A Town Called Terror. So again, a brand new number one. Uh, this is from the team of Steve Niles and Simon Kudransky. Now, Steve Niles is, is horror comics royalty. He created 30 Days of Night. Uh, Simon Kudransky's worked on things like Spawn, The Punisher, so is very well versed in adult comics. And there's also a cover B here by Tony S. Daniel as well, so... This uh, first story arc is called A Message From Home and the solicitation for this reads Henry West is brutally kidnapped in the middle of the night while his wife Julie watches terrified. Henry awakens to the reality of his whereabouts but Julie with no evidence of the phantom crime is unable to get help to search for him. A new series from the mind of cutting edge horror creators Steve Niles and Simon Kudransky. And again Keith they've used the buzzword for both of us here. The dark paranormal tone of Midnight Mass meets the criminal machinations of Ozark. Oh, Let's see what they're doing to us here. <laughs> <laughs> so two for two on my pull list anyway, uh, so far. And then uh, just another one I wanted to bring up. And it, it seems to be the month of celebration, so to speak. You know, you have 60 years of Marvel with a lot of those big characters and Image hits 30 this year as well. So they're going to be doing a special event, which is just simply called Image. Uh, this month sees a brand new number one, and it's going to be of 12. Now, some of the people involved in this, you've got, in terms of writing, you've got Jeff Johns, Declan Shelby, Scotty Young, Mirk Gandolfo, Kyle Higgins. In terms of artists, you've got Andrea Muti, Declan Shelby, Babs Tarr, Mirk Gandolfo, Daniel Dinaculo. And the solicitation for this is celebrate the 30th anniversary of the first Image comic with a year-long parade of all new stories for some of the biggest and best names in comics. 
Featuring a combination of ongoing serials and standalone short stories, this inaugural issue kicks off with the first chapter of two 12-part stories, The Blizzard by Jeff Johns and Andrea Muti, and Red Stitches by Brendan Fletcher and Babs Tarr, plus the opening installments of a trio of three-parters, Gospel for a New Century, Loop, Hopeless, and Shift, plus, plus a first look at Declan Shelby's upcoming Old Dog series and an original ongoing comic strip by Scotty Young. So they promise a, uh, a rotating sort of row of creators issue to issue on this so i would say there'll be some big things uh coming along in the image celebration 12 issue maxi series mm-hmm. but beyond that yeah, yes. there is the return of something else that's not saga but it is returning from its halfway point after a way too long break oh uh, yes on the 13th of april Farmhand is making its welcome return uh, with issue 16. That's uh, Rob Guillory's uh, Agriculture Gone Apocalyptic series uh, that is that is making its return. Uh, the Jedediah seed now grows in the wild. Their farm is in ruins. The Jenkins family tries to cobble together a path forward in a world ruled by the demonic Monica Thorne. Uh, I can't wait to have this twisted this twisted series back um the first three volumes i believe are still available isn't that right for three trades they are indeed uh, it's it's a title that i try my best to keep all three volumes of on the rack so uh hopefully you you hear this you come down and i'm a man of my word all three are there but yeah fantastic series and obviously rob Guillory, known for his work on chew um uh, prior to this uh this is uh, it's, it's just fantastic it's just it's so weird and twisted uh, and I'm very, very glad to see it back. Absolutely. So uh, as Keith says, get caught up on the trades before then and then jump straight in with issue 16. So, you know, in terms of trades, that's the other thing I wanted to highlight in the image book this month. There's a lot of trades for a lot of some, a lot of our favorite series. You know, you've got the Good Asian Volume 2 coming out, which collects the, the second part of that, issues 6 to 10. You've got uh, Department of Truth Volume 3, which is subtitled Free Country. You've got Deadly Class, Volume 11, A Fond Farewell, Part 1. So this looks to be the second last one. Uh, you've also got Primordial, a hardcover coming out, which is the Jeff Lemire, Andres Sorrentino t- uh, tale. But there is, one, uh, vol- or there is one series that comes to a conclusion this month with trade paperbacks and indeed with a hardcover. Uh, the hardcover is Book 3, which covers 12 issues. The trade uh, paperback is Volume 6, which covers the last six issues. Um, what are we talking about? I believe this is one of your favourite indie series of the last few years. Oh, yeah, and that's uh, Robert Kirkman's Oblivion Song, um, which, as I say, is, is, is coming in end very, very shortly with issue 36, I believe. Uh, and uh, I cannot, I can't wait for it. It's been such an epic series, um, crossing dimensions and and uh, you know, brothers and 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 all sorts. Of, it's it's been so so good. Uh, you know the 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 twists and turns and the discoveries uh, about alien cultures and and uh, you know what the what the oblivion is, uh, the nature of the thing. Uh, it has been very, very good indeed. Uh, you uh, haven't really read it, have you? No, I read the first six issues and really, really enjoyed it. And then I just sort of jumped off it thinking, I'm going to hit this up in trade. I've, I've been collecting the hardcovers, so mm-hmm. 12 mm-hmm. issues at a time. But because I knew it was coming to an end with 36, I've held off jumping back in. So I've got the first two volumes. I'll certainly get this, and then I think I'll settle in for some of that long-form storytelling Kirkman goodness that uh, mm-hmm. he, he possibly does better than anybody else in the industry. 
So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, that's the the end of Oblivion Song, both in trade paperback and hardcover, depending what your preference is. So, yeah, tons of other stuff in the image book. Uh, again, too many for us to spotlight, but a lot of great stuff continuing on as well. So, But we'll move away from image and on to Dark Horse. There were a couple here that I wanted to spotlight. Uh, the first one is a title called Breakout. This is a brand new number one. It's going to be a four-issue miniseries. And the reason I picked this uh, up is that it's written by Zach Kaplan, who did Port of Earth, but also Join the Future, which is something I know you were a fan of. That was an aftershock uh, sort of sci-fi western almost. But, it was. But uh, yeah, written by Zach Kaplan and art by Wilton Santos. So the solicitation for this reads, when massive cube spaceships from another dimension materialize over our cities and routinely abduct teenagers to be held inside their mysterious floating prisons, Liam Watt's younger brother Tommy is taken. But while governments and adults across the world accept his loss as inevitable, Liam refuses to give up hope. Now in Take Back Our Future Anthem, Liam assembles a skilled team of ordinary high school students to risk it all, but can they pull off the impossible and succeed in this out-of-this-world prison break? Just sounds like a heist movie mixed with aliens. I thought this sounded really, really good. So, yeah, Zach Kaplan writing. Uh, Wilton Santos is known for work on Excalibur, Dawn of X, and coloured by Jason Wordy, who worked on God Country and Wasted Space as well. So, yeah, we four-issue mini that sounds really cool from Dark Horse. And then the other one I wanted to highlight was another four-issue miniseries, but it is coming out in trade paperback, and this title is bonkers in the best possible way. This was a title called Orphan and the Five Beasts. You've probably heard us talk about it before, more specifically me. Uh, James Stokoe writing, drawing, doing the covers. I love James Stokoe's art. It's so detailed and cinematic, but cartoony at the same time. It's, it's just epic artwork, and... For this one, it's a kung fu epic from James Stokoe, the creator behind Orkstein and Aliens Dead Orbit. Spurred on by her master's dying words, the adopted warrior Orphan Mo seeks to find and kill five former disciples who now threaten the land with corruption from their demonic powers. Part 5 Deadly Venoms and Part Surreal Grindhouse, James Stokoe brings his knack for ultra-detailed fantasy imagery and over-the-top violence to this classic tale of revenge. Cannot recommend that enough. That is such a good time. Uh, in comics and that is from Dark Horse Comics in April so away from Dark Horse and on to IDW and the title Mm. may as well read Keith by me, what is this one? yeah, 100% it is Rocketeer the Great Race uh, issue 1 of 4 by Ireland's own Stephen Mooney uh, writer and uh, artist and cover artist Um, obviously I'm a huge fan of uh, Mr Mooney's work on Half Past Danger so much uh, uh, so that your in-store mug is half past danger. Quite, quite, and as uh, you know, so so yeah, this is this is right up my street. The 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 return of uh, pulp hero, uh, the Rocketeer, uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the very first appearance of uh, of the Rocketeer. 40th anniversary? Hmm, that doesn't sound right. Um, is stunt pilot Cliff Sickord has returned from his New York adventure to a West Coast steeped in paranoia over the looming war in Europe. Having finally had enough uh, of his near-death scrapes as the high-flying rocketeer, the only thing in Cliff's crosshairs is the Great Race, a prestigious ward, uh, a prestigious winner-take-all air race that runs from California to France. Maybe it's time to smarten up and fly straight by taking his best girl, Betty, to Paris. But other parties want to win the race for their own nefarious ends, and Cliff will need to decide which prize is truly the most valuable of all. Uh, so that's an April 6th uh, release. Um all sort of pulpy goodness, and uh, yeah, apparently there's uh, there's some some bonus material 
each issue, each issue featuring an oral history featuring uh, Dave Stevens, friends, family and fellow artists all called together by uh, Kelvin Mao, uh, who's a long friend, time friend of Stevens and director of the forthcoming documentary and the beloved artist. Uh, Dave Stevens was the writer and artist who uh, who created The Rocketeer in 1982 as, a, as an homage to uh the saturday night matinee serial heroes of the 1930s so uh yeah very interesting i don't know are you familiar with the rocketeer yeah i mean first of all you just took the words out of my mouth because i googled that as well when you said 40 years didn't sound right so i had to find the information there yeah i mean who doesn't love the 1991 movie you know it was it was unfairly labeled a flop when it came out but it was just so much fun um I have a real soft spot for pulpy hero movies of the early 90s. Uh, there was The Rocketeer and then there was The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, which I thought was a fantastic oh, movie. It. And also The Phantom. The Phantom with Billy Zane as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. there, was, yeah there was a lot uh, of yeah. really great pulp movies there, but they were unfairly labelled flops at the time. And I think some uh, of them and let's great. not forget, that movie was directed by Joe Johnson, who also directed Captain America, the first Avenger, another pulp uh, hero. I guess for me in my head... Uh, the reason that 1982 didn't sound right is because, you know, the rocket here takes place in the 1930s, uh, you know, so uh, that's why it, that's why it doesn't sound right to me. But obviously yeah. it is. It is the case. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to the rocket here. And all, uh, yeah, I must go back and, uh, and watch that movie and also the fandom and uh, and the shadow. That just sounds like a good time watching 90s movies right there. So, yeah, I'll be on that as well, four-issue miniseries for The Rocketeers. So, uh, moving on to Boom Studios, there is one I'll mention. Again, it's it's not a title I would be interested in, but it's definitely worth giving a bit of uh, attention for, as we do have quite a few Buffy fans in store. And this is The Vampire Slayer number 1, which is a new Slayer, a new creative team, a new era. Now, the reason I'll also showcase this a little bit is because if you are a Buffy fan, this series is in very safe hands because it's being taken over by Sarah uh, Galley, and she was the writer on Eat the Rich, which I thought was a, oh, wow. which was a yeah. fantastic book. So, mm -hmm. uh, so a bold new story in a new universe begins, courtesy of Hugo Award-winning author Sarah Galley and artist Irene Flores. After years of fighting against the forces of evil, Buffy Summers finds herself succumbing to the burden of bearing the Slayer mantle. To help his slayer, Rupert is willing to risk a return to chaos magic and with Willow's help, they attempt a spell to remove the trauma from Buffy's psyche. The effects backfire though and leave Buffy unable to remember her past or her purpose. With Sunnydale under attack, a new slayer must rise to protect it with Buffy's friends racing against the clock to restore her true self. So it sounds like a cool ticking clock story. Again, it's not quite my fandom, uh, but I know there are plenty of, uh, plenty of guys in store who are certainly a fan. Um, but yeah, there's definitely one other trade paperback worth mentioning out from mm. Boom Studios this month. One that we're all a fan of. Um, uh, one of the biggest series of 2021 collected for the first time, uh, and that is House of Slaughter, uh, Volume 1, uh, which is called uh, Discover Now. What's it called? Discover Now. What's the subtitle? Um, uh, Discover Now is just uh, Boom Studios' way of saying, like, discover new titles. Uh, oh, right, it's a Discover Now edition. Okay, cool, I understand. Yes, I get it, sorry. Uh, that was a, a, a slight confusion there. So, uh, House of Slaughter Volume 1, we're discovering the inner workings of the House of Slaughter in this new horror series, exploring the secret history of the order that forged Erica Slaughter into the monster hunter she is today. Uh, Erica Slaughter of, uh, of course, the uh, fantastic breakout series from James Tinian, uh, Something is Killing the Children. You know Aaron Slaughter as Erica's handler and rival, but before he donned the black mask, Aaron was a teenager training within the House of Slaughter. 
Surviving within the school is tough enough, but it gets even more complicated when Aaron falls for a mysterious boy destined to be his competition. Dive deeper into the world of something is killing the children in this first story arc by co-creator James Tinian, uh, also known for the Department of Truth and The Nice House on the Lake, and co-creator Tate Bromble, uh, known for Barbellion. Uh, with art from rising star Chris Sheehan, uh, the autumnal and co-creator Werther Deladera, uh, Razor Blades and uh, Something is Killing the Children. It's collected uh, for the first time uh, uh, in its first printing. Yeah, so that'll be uh, a good way for trade readers to sort of fill in the blanks uh, while Something is Killing the Children has returned at this point to single issues uh, ahead of volume five of that coming out. So, yeah, we're and, big fans. Uh, Absolutely, it's uh, it's it's very very good. So um, nipping on to aftershock, then uh, who often have uh, well they've they've cemented themselves for me as a as a company that's just you know releasing interest in books uh, of of a high quality, and uh, I guess this will be this will be no deviation from that because it's written by James Patrick, uh, who's just come off the fantastic Campisi the Dragon incident, which is one of the most interesting. Uh, books i've read in in recent years uh art and cover art is by uh ren brew and the book is kaiju score steal from the gods number one uh so it is the sequel to the original kaiju score also by james patrick michelle is back she has her own crew she's making her own rules unfortunately her tendency for getting into hot water still remains and her involvement in the now infamous job in florida known as the kaiju score is hunting her in many different ways it's about to put her on a collision course with a new job, new characters, and of course, new monsters. The second volume of the critically acclaimed best-selling Kaiju Score, optioned by Sony Pictures, is here. And just like last time, not everyone will get out alive. Yeah, Kaiju Score was a lot of fun. You know, Ocean's Eleven meets Godzilla. Just, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. I mean, I didn't get on the Campisi, which was the follow-up. I know you obviously dug it a heck of a lot, so... Uh, mm-hmm. You you've some reading to do with Kaiju Score, and I have some reading to do with Campisi. It would appear. Yes, let's uh, swapsies. I think that can be arranged. Uh, mm-hmm. The other aftershock Tyler really stands out this month is one that I couldn't, in good conscience, let Keith read out. I think it would maybe kill him. Uh, this is a title called The Naughty List. I'm sure you can guess what this is based around. But uh, this is written by Nick Santora, and the artist is Lee Ferguson. And just as importantly, that beautiful cover, which reminds me of The Punisher a little bit, by Francesco Francavia there as well. So this one reads, I had a family once, a wife who loved me, a child we loved together. That's all gone now. I've been gone for hundreds of years, all because of that damn star. My name? It depends on where you live. Some call me Chris Kringle. Others, Papa Noel, but my real name is Nicholas Sinterklaas, and this is the story of what happens when you steal my naughty list. Up on the house, stop, click, 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 down through the chimney with old Saint Nick. From the mind of Nick Santoro, who is a writer on The Sopranos, Law and Order, The Fugitive, and Prison Break, and illustrated by Lee Ferguson, who worked on Sympathy for No Devils and Sam and His Talking Gun, comes the Santa Claus origin story we are pretty sure you've never heard before. This just looks a lot of fun. I mean, someone who's worked on that level of show as well. You know, Sopranos, come on. Who doesn't want to be on that? Even if you don't want to celebrate Christmas in April, Keith, surely you're going to be on that. It's not that I don't want to celebrate Christmas. I don't want to hear about Christmas in April. (laughs) That's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, But yeah, we're going to move away from sort of the the main uh, publishers, if you will, and on to some of the more sort of small press publishers. Just a few titles to finish off with. And the first ones that I wanted to showcase were a couple of titles from a relatively new um, publisher called Humanoids. And these are both 
Um, one's a soft cover, one's a hard cover, but they're both graphic novels. And the first one is called Retroactive. And they, they caught my eye straight away because it said for fans of films Looper, Tenet and Edge of Tomorrow. And I, I really enjoy all three of those. But for this one, the solicitation reads, An agent working for the U.S. Bureau of Temporal Affairs sets out to discover the source of several anomalies in the timeline, only to become imprisoned in an inescapable time loop. The discovery of time travel is unknown to the general public, but a new Cold War rages between global intelligence agencies as they attempt to alter historical events in favour of their respective futures. When new intel points the U.S. Bureau of Temporal Affairs towards a hostile anomaly in the past, veteran field agent Tarek Abdel Nasser and his new partner Lucia Olmos are dispatched to investigate. They discover a radical adversary wielding a new technology that could unravel everything the BTA fights to maintain. So this is from Ibrahim Mustafa, who's been the writer of Count High Crimes and also worked on James Bond as well. Uh, and he is both writing and drawing this. And again, there's a couple of preview pages which look fantastic. It, it kicks off in Nazi-occupied France in the 1940s with a, with someone trying to kill Hitler. So, I mean, we, who can't get beyond, behind that straight away? So that mm-hmm. is uh, retroactive. And then the other one is a graphic novel called Thick Skins. So... This one's actually an adaptation of a novel. Uh, it is da- adapted from lauded French author Laurent Genefort, sci-fi masterpiece. A breathtaking, fast-paced manhunt in the form of an elegant space opera based on the novel by Laurent Genefort. Once upon a time, Lark was a thick skin, a clan of humans genetically modified to operate in space without a suit before spending decades as a mercenary training dozens of combat soldiers. Now it's a race against time as Lark scores the cosmos for his lost clan, desperate to find them before one of his former trainees can kill to obtain their priceless skins. So this is uh, written by Serge Letendre and artist is Pasquale Frizenda. And it just has that real sort of European sensibility to it. So that's something I think looks really, really interesting. And it would be something to maybe, you know, easily miss in the previews book. So I thought it was definitely worth uh, pointing out. And just a couple to finish off with then. One from you, one from me, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're uh, one we we're a, a publisher we don't often visit on this pod is Rebellion, uh, 2000 AD. Uh, you know that, that the publisher, 2000 AD. And uh, Rebellion are set uh, in April uh, to release uh, the first issue of Five of Hawk the Slayer. Uh, set to continue on from where the 1980 UK movie left off in a new series by none other than Preacher and Boys co- uh, co-creator and writer Garth Ennis at the helm. And uh, joining him in this epic sequel is Judge Dredd artist uh, Henry Flint, uh, with covers from Magic the Gathering artist Greg Staples. Um, the six-issue miniseries is a direct con- continuation of the movie, which saw Hawk, who with his flying mind sword and his uh, mismatched band of allies set out to rescue a nun from his own deformed brother Voltan, played by Jack Palance at his scenery chewing vest. Uh, it now seems that their victory was not all it seemed, and greater battles uh, lie ahead. Um, a few years have passed since, Sock, since Hawk and his trusty band of warriors defeated the evil wizard Voltan, but Hawk is still uneasy and fearing that the dark wizards have only temporarily disappeared and are due to return. Once again, Hawk must assemble a team of warriors to confront the returning evil. The mind sword may be the key to saving the world, but uh, is it also responsible for the resurgence of these ungodly forces? Um, are you familiar with Hawk the Slayer? Not massively, I have to say. 
Okay, well, there we go. That's that. That's something you need to you need to look into on the on the movie front there, uh, Alan. That's a that's a a cult classic. Um, Definitely sounds it. And I do have to ask a question: When is Jack Palance not in scenery tune mode? <laughs> that's uh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a massive, massive British sword and sorcery adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Terry Marcel, John, John Terry, Jack Palance, two warring brothers, control over a magical sword. Uh, very, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. I must give that a wee look up then. Uh, Hawk the Slayer. So that's a, a brand new number one, as Keith says, and that's going to be printed through Rebellion 2000 AD comics. And then just one to finish off with, which is from Vault Comics. Uh, again, I just thought this sounded really, really charming. This is a title called Quests Aside. Uh, brand new number one, written by Bran Shermer. And the artist on this is Elena Gugu. Uh, so the solicit for this was a skeleton, an apprentice mage, and an exiled princess walk into a bar. For another shift of Quests Aside, the local watering hole run by once legendary, now retired adventurer Barrow. When the king privately explains that he plans to shut the place down, Barrow must find a way to hold on to his business and the family he's built around it. It's all the sunny in the realms. So I just thought that sounded really, really fun. And Vault are celebrating five years as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, this sounds this sounds really, really interesting. You know, uh, sort of fantasy fantasy comedy. Um, yeah, looks 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 really interesting. Looks really interesting. Uh, you can have your old-time adventures uh, who went on epic quests in their youth, but you will also get heralds with three-neck electric guitars, orc stand-up comedians, and 20-year-old major princes with anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds very, very good. I must pick that one up as well, I have to say. Yeah, really nice, uh, charming-looking cool. art. Really nice, charming-looking art there as well. So, so yeah, so that brings an end to our sojourn through the previews book. So, yeah, I mean, tons to, to look out for there. Again, the, the books are in store if you guys want to check them out. You can look them up online easily enough. Just Google, you know, February solicitations 2022. You'll find links to websites, I'm sure. Most notably, Newsarama, who tend to run good uh, a good rundown of these. We'll have the boards done in the store. We'll share that through the social media as well, of course, as a reminder. But yeah, it's just, it's always the best way to, to guide us for how many of certain titles to order. We never want people to miss out, but we need to be given a bit of guidance on what people are actually after and what they're looking forward to. So you can email us, pop in the store, drop us a message on social media, whatever suits uh, as your preferred method of getting in touch. And we'll make sure that we get those titles onto a pull list and that you do not miss out. So yeah, that is the February previews book done for April release. So many thanks as always to my cohort, Keith, before he heads over to to uh, the big smoke and uh, we will be back for some podcasting very very soon yeah that was a pleasure thank you very much look forward to it now I'm off to try and watch last night in Soho so uh, I can give I can tell Stephen how bad it is and how I wasted all my money yeah <laughs> I'm either gonna uh, click into another episode of the next generation which I've become really obsessed by um, as I make my way through through Star Trek again or I started watching on Amazon Prime the uh, the story of uh, Vox Machina, uh, which is very much like that quest aside that you were talking about. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Vox Machina, uh, an online role playing group, uh, and they have uh, their 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 actual play has ended up becoming uh, an animated cartoon series in an, on Amazon Prime. So good fun, good fun. Excellent. So thanks again, guys. Hope this proved useful. I look forward to seeing you in the store soon. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. 
You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.